Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. This hour of the Mark Reardon Show is sponsored by Gamma Tree Experts. Your trees deserve the best care. Call Gamma Tree Experts. I have not talked about the uh, Silicon Valley Bank and that whole story because we're saving the best or the worst, if you will, for last. Dave Simons, the host of Dollars and Cents on our sister station, KMOX, and a certified financial planner and senior vice president of investments at UBS Financial Services will have some thoughts on that. The president came out today and said, look, the banks are safe. Everything's fine. Don't worry. Nothing to see here. Today, thanks to the quick action of my administration over the past few days, Americans can have confidence that the banking system is safe. Your deposits will be there when you need them. Small businesses across the country, the deposit accounts at these banks can breathe easier knowing they'll be able to pay their workers and pay their bills. And their hardworking employees can breathe easier as well. I'm so confused by this bank collapse, and we're going to find out more from Dave. I did love this, though. This is Let me just play this, and I'll, I'll explain why I loved it in a second. Here. During the Obama-Biden administration, we put in place tough requirements on banks like Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank. Do you remember what that was, that law that they passed, what it was called? Here, I, no. think, she, I think he refers to it. Including the Dodd-Frank law to make sure that the crisis we saw in 2008 would not happen again. So that that's named after Chris Dodd and Barney Frank. Barney Frank was a uh, very well-known um, gay, not that it's important, but he was outspoken and openly gay Massachusetts um, lawmaker, senator, and they named it after him. He was on the board of this bank. He's on the board of the failed bank, which wow. I think is somewhat interesting. So we'll cover that. We have an audio cut of the day and a Battlehawks update with our friend Chris Smith also. Hey, Sue, what was the bottom line on Fred's um, marathon? Oh, yeah. I, doing, I, Sue was doing heavy research here because <laughs> we were talking to Fred who did a – well, he thought he was well, doing a 5K over the weekend and the St. Patrick's run, but he did a 5-mile run, not, which is, not 3.2. Yeah, I mean, uh, he was going all right, but his overall ranking, he came in 1,744th place. Out of how many? 1,778? No, no, 1,912. That's oh, pretty good for well, your first sure. ride. I mean, out walking for five miles when right. you thought it was three? <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, I'd say. 
Well, that's that's great. But boy, you were checking on Marie and her numbers. Oh yeah, from Las I'm looking Vegas. at all of you people. You get into this stuff, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Right, I keep do. keep us posted on that. Uh, last week, if you were watching the COVID origins hearing in Washington D.C., you may have seen a familiar face sitting in the background. That's George Ruza, who uh, ran for the Missouri Senate in my district. Uh, unfortunately, did not win in the fall. We spent some time with George. He's back here in the studio because he was at that hearing last week, sitting behind Robert Redfield. How are you, George? Welcome back. I'm I'm doing great. Thank you so much. How did you now? Let's put um, some titles out there. You're an adjunct professor of dermatology at St. Louis University School of Medicine, the chair of the American Academy of Dermatology and the COVID-19 Task Force. So was that why you were there under that particular title? Exactly, because uh, you know, for the last three years, I've been the chair of the task force to help dermatologists and um, and their patients to maneuver all the stuff that was going on over the last three years. Actually, fortunately, we'll probably be sunsetting the task force May 1st because the <laughs> uh, public health emergency finally will be over probably a year or two late. Yeah, right, right. But this was, I'm, I'm guessing, um, look, if I had an opportunity to go to a hearing like this, you probably want to you know, nudge some people out. Was this something you really wanted to do? Well, um, I, had, uh, uh, I was invited by Dr. Representative Joyce. He's a uh, con- uh, congressman from Pennsylvania. He's a dermatologist, and he knew oh, nice. my interest in this area, and so he invited me to come. So I flew down on uh, Wednesday. Was it? I don't even know which day. It was sometime last week. <laughs> I think it was Wednesday. Wednesday, yeah. Right. I, um, I've lost track. We did the show live at um, a church in Eureka at Most Sacred Heart on Friday, so I'm losing track of time and days as well. Well, look, you know, one of the difficult things from last week, here, here you are behind the scenes and you're at this hearing. Uh, from my perspective, there was so much going on last week. Look, we have all our local crime stuff and the things happening here in St. Louis. And then you had the Twitter files hearing, you had the COVID hearings. So it was a little hard to cover it all just because so much was happening at once, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. There was a lot happening. But uh, the hearing was, I thought it was uh, quite informative and uh, certainly interesting. I, it's kind of seeing the political machinery in action. Oh yeah, I'm sure. But you're, and we'll get to that here in a second. You're you're seated right behind Redfield, right? So how did the seating chart work? Well, um, it was very easy. I walked in, grabbed the seat. I grabbed a seat. <laughs> I had no clue that I was. I mean, I I did take the front row, but it, there was an empty seat, so I took it. And um, I actually had no idea that I'd be visible uh, to the camera because the camera in the room, you just saw my legs. But oh, it turned out really? that whatever camera C-SPAN used or Fox, Fox News or used. we could see you. Yeah, so then I was there probably for four hours. Yeah, people started pointing out to me that, that you were there, which is one of the reasons that we reached out. But I'm guessing, are you allowed to have your cell phone in that hearing room or not? Yes, okay, yes, so you're I'm allowed. I'm guessing you're getting text messages, right? Because I was getting, t- yeah, p- people were s- sending me stuff. I said, like, well, how do you know that I'm here? Like, what what's this all about? So, yeah, I mean, I even took some pictures because I noticed, well, they were taking pictures, so I took pictures, and and I was texting with one of the congressmen as well. That's interesting. Well, what was your takeaway? Because obviously there are so many more questions than answers. You know, th- this is maybe this is a good way to get into this. Let me, I just thought about this. I saw something, George, in the, uh, hang on to my question, okay, but I saw something in the New York Times today that I thought was very um illustrative, if you will, because they they had this thing where they, let's see if I can find it. They went back and forth and they got, oh, here it is. I found it, which is unusual because the host <laughs> sometimes loses things. 
This probably was in the Sunday paper, if I had to guess, just because of the the topic. But we'll see. It's online. It says, what if the next pandemic happens tomorrow? Right. So that's their question. Um, Will we be ready? Right. Um, The next currently unknown virus that could cause a pandemic, disease X, may be different from COVID. So are we ready? But what I found interesting and that I'd like you to answer that in a second. What I found interesting is they asked four questions. Okay. The first question, should schools close? The second question, should there be a mass mandate? The third question, should there be an international travel ban? The fourth question, if a safe and effective vaccine becomes available, should it be mandated? Here's what's interesting about this. In all four questions, they gave both sides. They gave some of them that said no and some of them that said yes. Wouldn't we, and this is where I'm going to back into the COVID hearings, because obviously that was focusing on the origins. I'll broaden it out just a little bit to what we did in the past couple of years. Wouldn't we have all been better off if we had more of a discussion like that to begin with, where even if someone was mentioning a lab leak theory, there was a you know, point counterpoint because those opinions were out there, George, as you know, but they were shut down by social media, by people in government. It was by, you know, the legacy media. I to- totally agree that uh, the, uh, the, the thing that I got out of it is that, uh, the, the, the these things are actually are very damaging to science overall because what happened is you've got two two theories both plausible yet for some reason people in authority and scientists in authority decide that that one theory they're going to uh, suppress and promote the other theory there wasn't really that much evidence for either theory yet they pushed that one side and there was some of the uh, reasoning behind why that happened uh, came out in the hearing about um, that probably there is because we may have had some research that was being done funded by the U.S. Right in the in the Wuhan lab. So there was would be could it be that we actually funded research that led to the virus, which then kills millions, killed millions of, people. of people. Right. So that was the one thing for the Chinese. Of course, they don't want to have anything to do with the Wuhan lab uh, being the uh, source because that kind of gives them culpability as opposed to being just a random event from a uh, for, from an animal source. So to me that, but, but what happens then because of that and a number of other things as you alluded to is that people now don't trust. No, there's no level of trust. That, that's what's interesting about this. This question, I can actually summarize and cut to the chase. What if the next pandemic happens tomorrow? That was the question from the New York Times. It's going to be a complete blank show because there is no level of trust and, and there shouldn't be based on some of the things. Now, you, you could go back and I think, let, let me play this. This is this is interesting. OK, this is the um, the governor of Michigan. Right. Jennifer no, that's Jennifer Granholm is, uh, she's a congressman. Hold on. Who's the stupid governor of Michigan? This is what happens. Gretchen Whitmer. Whitmer. Okay. Thank you, George. See, I've got all this audio in here. <laughs> I, I found this piece of audio today because you, you might remember, and she refers to it. She was keeping people from going to the Lowe's and buying like grass seed and stuff like that. Well, so she sort of chuckles about that now. Listen. There were moments where we, you know, had to make some decisions that in retrospects don't make a lot of sense, Right. Um, if you went into the hardware store, if you go into the hardware store, but we, we didn't want people, you know, all congregating around the gardening supplies. People said, oh, she's outlawed seeds. It was February in Michigan. No one was planting anyway. But um, that being said, you know, some of those policies, I look back and think, you know, that what maybe was was a little 
was a little more than we needed. Yeah, think a little more. And by the way, February, she's talking about February of 21. So she's not talking about the first few months when this was happening. This was into the second year after she had locked down kids and done some of these other things as well. But we've made we made so many mistakes. And, and what I was going to say kind of going into this is you can kind of understand in March and uh, April, you know, maybe even a little bit of May. There was a lot of unknown. There were a lot of people dying, all of that. But it became pretty apparent where some of this was heading. And then we get to the vaccine portion of the equation, which really can't be trusted. Well, the, uh, the, the, the challenge is, as you mentioned, it's the early on, it was okay to do those things, but then they carried way beyond what was reasonable because we have now extensive data to show that the masks, the way they're used in real life, don't really do much. Unless you have an N95 mask, keep it on your face at all times. It doesn't help. Right. So that's the mask. The mask didn't work. Sort of the six foot uh, separation, also useless. Yet we spend all this effort. We have the the lockdowns have so many unintended consequences: mental health, suicide, drug use, and of course kids being now losing a year or two of their of their life which they may never cap, get back again. Yeah, because there's so much that, that there's the the intellectual aspect of that with schoolwork, there's also just the social aspect of I can't even imagine. You know, I think some of us as adults took this for granted a little bit. You, you being a teenager and not being able to see your friends or go outside or go to playgrounds and stuff like that we we prevented people Crazy. from doing that to yeah. go to beaches. It was it was just nuts when you think about it. Going back to the origins here, George Ruses with his former candidate for the Missouri Senate who was at the COVID origins hearing last week there. I don't know what, what is your personal belief? It could be potentially, you know, this is where I like to be careful when you're talking about lab leak, that doesn't necessarily mean bioweapon or engineered on purpose, right? What's your takeaway? So at this point, you know, and I'm a dermatologist, so I can't say I'm the, not the virologist like uh, Dr. Redfield but it, it seems that the, there's a lot of evidence, it's called circumstantial, that this virus was brought in from a, you know, from a, from, a, from a bat into the lab where they manipulated the virus to do gain-of-function research, which is to make it either more effective or more, more lethal mm-hmm. to humans. And then... Um, accidentally that uh, the the virus escaped from the lab that lab has a long history of uh, of problems with um, safety issues so to me that is where I'm I'm at but uh, certainly either theory could be possible but it just seems that uh, that one seems to have we seem to be yeah. going at more evidence that, to that show that. That seems that way to me as well. Here's, By the way, I would love your opinion on Dr. Fauci overall, but here's what he said on the origins. I've kept an open mind throughout the entire process. A lab leak could be that someone was out in the wild, maybe looking for different types of viruses and bats, got infected, went into a lab, and was being studied in the lab, and then it came out of the lab. But if that's the definition of a lab leak, Jim, then that still is a natural occurrence. And, and that's basically what you just said, George, to a certain extent, isn't it? Uh, well, yeah, yes, even though the, the virus, I, it seems that at least some of the data on, that they talk about this cleavage plane, the foreign cleavage plane, and G, CGG, uh, uh, the RNA sequences and so forth, 
it seems that the, those would not have occurred naturally, so they would have been inserted at the time uh, in the lab, at yeah. some point in the lab. So there was some manipulation to the virus. Uh, what, what I find difficult is that there seems to be a lot of people are kind of forget what they were saying months and years ago. Two years later, now they're kind of remembering very differently. And, oh, and go figure. Isn't, isn't that weird? Did you come away from that hearing feeling, this is the tough part really, that we'll ever get definitive answers? Okay, I, I don't think we'll ever get a definitive answer because China's destroyed most of the evidence, apparently. So that is, we won't have a, but I think, let's just say the preponderance of evidence will have us reasonably comfortable as to where it is. The reason it's really important to find out as much as possible what happened is because that may help us prepare for another pandemic. Right, right. Yeah, if that it's makes the, sense. If it's the lab... That means we've got to be far more careful about our safety measures and review all those because clearly they didn't work and maybe revisit gain-of-function research because that is the most dangerous kind of research. So you got to have to have the safety so right. you don't have another pandemic. If it happened in the wet market, very different approach. That means probably just maybe shut down wet markets and <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, to reduce the chance of Well, that, of that's why some infection. of these answers really do need to come. George, thank you so much for um, for coming in and relating some of this. By the way, you, you didn't, we talked about this a little bit before you hit the air. I certainly voted for you. We supported you in the fall when you ran for Senate. It's tough as a, as a newbie, but you did quite well. Are you going to get into politics again? My guess would be yes. Is that a yes? Uh, it is a yes. It was a very, we found it a very, uh, rewarding personally and even though we weren't successful but the thing that's the the incredible number of people that i've met more people that i have met in my you know previous 40 50 years in in in, in the short span of the campaign and of so many backgrounds and they have so much to offer so i feel that uh participating in the process is really important anything that you are targeting right now uh, yes, I'm. Uh, I'm looking at running for the state house. State house state next house year in 24. 24. Awesome, yes. George. We're we're fans. We love you. Thanks for coming in. Appreciate the insight on the COVID origins. We'll talk soon. Thank you so much. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got 
you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Americans can rest assured that our banking system is safe. Your deposits are safe. Well, especially if your deposits were $250,000 or more, because Ooh. those are the people that are getting helped out here in this SVB thing. And I, you know, I will tell you, this is beyond my uh, pay grade, Sue. Some of these things make my brain hurt. That's why Mine we go to too. Dave Simons, who hosts the show over on the other side of the building on KMOX Dollars and Cents, certified financial planner, senior vice president of investments at UBS Financial Services. This is why we depend on you, Dave. How are you this afternoon? I'm well, Mark. How are you, sir? I'm doing okay. I guess I'm glad I don't have money in this bank, but let me let me do some of the math here. You got, um, in, in 2020, they had how many billions of dollars in their account? 55 billion customer deposits. By the end of last year, the number exploded to 186 billion. So what the hell happened? Well, that was the free money policies that we've all been kind of living through, frankly, Mark, with, with the Fed and the government doling out trillions of dollars. So you had all these new startup companies, uh, particularly out there in Silicon Valley, who are able to access credit lines for no cost. And so Silicon Valley had the reputation of being the, the go-to bank. If you wanted to start your new tech company and you really didn't have any kind of credit, you went to them and they said, OK, yeah, we'll give you five million dollars at a half a percent interest. And it, it, it's amazing to me, Mark, the other stat was, and I didn't realize this, I knew that they had a lot of uninsured deposits there. I didn't know that 96% of their assets were uninsured. So 96% of their assets were above that 250. So if you were that new startup company and they let you all this money, you just deposited it right back into their their bank. And, and to think that they're all going to be made whole, um, I understand so you wouldn't have a run on the banking system, but there is some moral hazard there. And I think, why even have the $250,000 FDIC coverage, right? Because we've just deemed it not really that important. So let me, I'm going to have you kind of translate this. This was written by um, <clears throat> Andy Kessler in the Wall Street Journal this morning. And I mentioned that the, the balance sheet had, you know, $186 billion. So he says, 
SVB, yes, was a victim of its own success. That's a lot of money to put to work. Some was lent out, but with soaring stock prices and near zero interest rates, no one needed to take on excessive debt. There was no way SVB was going to initiate $131 billion in new loans. So the bank put some of this new capital into higher yielding long-term government bonds and $80 billion into 10-year mortgage-backed securities paying 1.5% instead of short-term treasuries paying point. Two five percent. So why? And they say that was mistake number one. SVB reached for yield just as Bear Stearns and Lehman did in the early two thousands, or in the I guess late two thousands. So what does that mean? Because I have no idea what that means, Dave. So you're going to have to translate it for me. Okay. So think about this. SVB now has all of this cash sitting there, yes. uninsured deposits, because all of these new start uh, these new startup tech companies have all this cash that they want to deploy as they build out their business okay but they don't use all of that money right off the bat so they deposit it in silicon valley bank well you're the bank and you're thinking wait a minute interest rates are next to zero we're not earning any money by people keeping the money here and we're not lending it out because nobody's really taking out loans oh i know the only thing that we can really do to squeeze out even a little bit of an extra yield on the billions of dollars we have is we're just going to go buy government-backed bonds. They're safe, right? They're backed by the government. Now, they only yield 1.5%, but that's better than a tenth of 1%. And that's what they did without any thought of the fact that if bond yields go up and the Fed starts raising interest rates, the value of those bonds goes down because it's an inverse relationship. If you own a bond, and it's locked in at a certain coupon or a certain yield, and those yields go up, your yields don't go up. They're now at that lower yield, and so they're losing value. Nobody wants them. Then as people wanted to get their money out of Silicon Valley, all these big tech startups, well, Silicon Valley banks said, well, we don't have any cash to give you. We we invested it all in these low-yielding, what we thought were safe government bonds, but they've lost like 30%. And so they had a run on the bank. All of the investments that they had made were way down, 20, 30, 35 percent. And that's why all of a sudden they didn't have the capital to meet the uh, demand. So I want to get your reaction. This is what Charles Payne said on Fox earlier on some of the numbers here. This is an irresponsible, reckless bank. But it's let's let's be clear. The, The American public must know. Every account in this country is insured to $250,000. Every single account. This was not about bailing out small accounts, regular Americans. The mean bank account in this country is $41,000. You want to go by, uh, 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 so if you look at, for instance, the average bank account for someone without a high school diploma, 9000 bucks. But bachelor's degree, 79000 bucks. This is another bailout of the elites. This is a bailout of Silicon Valley, the same Silicon Valley that just brought a Sam Bankman-Fried. The Silicon Valley that for 20 years grew companies privately to exorbitant valuations, outrageous valuations. All right, Charles has worked up, but is there anything to that? Because he's saying basically, and there are some depositors that more than $250,000, right, that may have to take a haircut on that because they're not going to get all their money back. Well, that's a hot take by Charles, but he's 100% accurate, frankly, in what he is saying, that these are not mom-and-pop investors. Uh, These are well-heeled investors. These are uh, tech folks who have already cashed in a lot of private stock, and they're quite wealthy. And so I know people are talking about this is is a potential taxpayer bailout of these guys. I want to make clear that it's not. The FDIC um, 
uh, deposit is not taxpayer uh, base. This is all the big banks and savings and loans around the country pay into that. So thankfully, number one, there's no taxpayer dollars here at work. But, but, but Mark Charles is right, and and this is the conundrum. This is really something that that I struggle with because on the one hand, I say no, it's two hundred fifty thousand. We all live by that. Why even have this rule and this insurance? And you're forcing the mom and pops who might have a little bit more than that to shop around banks. I, I have worked with clients on that. We have a lot of cash, and I say, look, you can't, you, you, you should not have all of your cash that you're sitting on because you sold, sold your business at one bank. You, you can't guarantee it. And so I've helped them shop around, and you might, you know, open up accounts at a, a lot of different banks. Well, these guys with their millions say, we don't care, and we're going to put $10 million, and we think maybe we'll get bailed out, and they're right. So on the one hand, there's moral hazard. On the other, and where I would argue against Charles a little bit, is that what do you really want all of these companies to go under? Because the domino effect of letting Silicon Valley go under and not protecting all those deposits, you're talking about a great recession and then some. It would get really ugly. So once we get through this, we need to do something in Congress to, I think, strengthen this a a little bit better. So what? let me get the president said this, and there's some irony here as well, I'll point out in a second that I'm sure Dave knows. During the Obama-Biden administration, we put in place tough requirements on banks like Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank, including the Dodd-Frank law to make sure that the crisis we saw in 2008 would not happen again. Unfortunately... The last administration rolled back some of these requirements. I'm going to ask Congress and the banking regulators to strengthen the rules for banks to make it less likely this kind of bank failure would happen again. All right. So a couple of questions there. Was there a regulatory regulatory failure? All right. So that's one thing. And then the irony is, is that it, Barney Frank, who w- has his name on Dodd Frank, former congressman from Massachusetts, was on the board of this particular bank. I love that, Dave. <laughs> I know. Well, look, there are no heroes here. Um, there are only culprits. So you've got politicians. You've got the Fed. You've got the Treasury. You've got the regulators. You've got management at Silicon Valley that had no risk control. So it was an epic, colossal failure on so many fronts. Now, one thing that President Biden is is accurate on is the fact that um, when, when, when Dodd-Frank was passed, it was very, very draconian to a lot of regional banks, mid-sized banks. And what he's talking about is, hey, the Trump administration came in and they took away some of those restrictions that were placed on these mid-sized banks. Well, there was probably some reason for that because it was so costly for a lot of these smaller regional banks that were having to comply with the same rules at the big banks, the Bank of America's and J.P. Morgan. So I, I really applauded the fact that they maybe pulled back some of these things. So I'm actually, Mark, parsing through a lot more of this to see really right. what was rolled back. And, and if nothing had been rolled back, would Silicon Valley have made it? I doubt it. This was poor management. There was nothing illegal here. Let's put it this way. This was just greed. This was hubris and bad management, and I don't know that any regulation would have prevented that. So here's an interesting nugget from Andy Kessler's article, uh, Dave, and I don't, you, you can either comment on this or not. He, he talked about, well, okay, and the question I just asked you, was there failure when it came to regulations? But 
He says this, then there's this. In its proxy statement, SVB notes that besides 91% of their board being independent and 45% women, they also have one black, one LGBTQ+, two veterans. And he says, I'm not saying that 12 white men would have avoided this mess, but the company might have been distracted by diversity demands. That's an interesting little nugget, isn't it? Yeah, I read his article too. By the way, I just love Andy. I think he's a terrific writer, and I'm glad the journal uh, puts him in there a couple of times a week. You know, he's getting obviously into the whole uh, business of of the the woke society that we find ourselves in now, and he's and he's making an implication that perhaps their attention was not where it should have been. Um, I don't want to go there. I have no idea. I'm not on the inside. I don't know. Were, were they just doing this and putting it out on their prospectus and their proxy to make others in California think that they're in with the woke crowd? There's probably something to it. But again, I, I think even Andy said this. If they had had a board of just a bunch of old white men, would that have mattered? Right. Why not have mattered? Hey, what's one more thing, Dave, though? Because there was another signature bank was closed um, yesterday, and that's the second failure. So are those two related, and should we be worried about more of this happening? No, that's really the question, Mark. First of all, signature was much more involved in crypto. So you have uh, tech startup banks like um, SVB. And then Signature, which is heavily involved in the crypto industry. Those are your two vulnerable areas. Now, that's the main question, what you just asked. And that's the fear on Wall Street. Um, is Can this now bleed into the entire banking financial system? Uh, the answer is no, a very strong no, in my opinion. However, this is big. Emotions are more important than fundamentals right now. If people believe that this could happen, if if they start having a run on banks, then black and white data doesn't matter. I don't think we're going to get there, but that's what I'm looking at is what is the real temperature of the investing public and the banking public. At this point, I think we can keep this under wraps, but we're watching it. Yeah, we're watching, you know, Mr. Potter and George Bailey is what we're watching right now. <laughs> yeah, Man, I'll right. tell you what, it does make people nervous, especially when it's kind of hard to get your arms around. And for me, and, and Sue was talking about this, too, it's a little it's a little tough just to even understand some of this. Um, and that's what makes it a little scary for the rest of us. Yeah, and I will uh, just a, a little uh, plug here. I'm going to be over on the X side tomorrow night from 8 to 10. I'm filling in for at your service. So I'm going to dig a lot deeper um, into this if anyone has an interest in kind of tuning in for more details. Thank you, Dave Simons, and we will tune in. Thank you. I appreciate it, Dave. Okay, appreciate it, yep. Mark. Take care. 542, we have an audio cut of the day plus an update on the Battlehawks, our go-to Battlehawks correspondent. Chris Smith is going to join us right before audio cut of the day, which is coming up next. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 
So perhaps not the best example of our extended daylight, but it's um, when we leave work and up to a little bit more than an hour after 6 o'clock, it'll seem like there's a little daylight out there. It's just cloudy and sort of gloomy today, and it's cold, isn't it? It's really cold. It's the wind. And I get to uh, run, walk at Forest Park again tonight because of the time change. See, it's a positive for... Or you can not do that because it's too cold and just go home and wrap yourself up in a blanket. But I like to eat. Okay, well, I guess that's the reason, right? Hey, look at this yesterday, and you know, the XFL tweeted this out. If this isn't a big uh, F you and middle finger to Roger Goodell in the NFL, I don't know what he is. The Battlehawks brought football back to St. Louis in a big way. Attendance record, 38,310, and they get the victory. Our correspondent for the Battlehawks, Chris Smith, Chris in the country as we know him, or as we knew him. He's with us this afternoon. It's his third attempt at doing a Battlehawks update. We've been coaching him along. How are you, Chris? Mark, how are you doing, brother? Stop making me laugh before I come on the air. We tried to get him into the game yesterday. We had a little bit oh, of a really? kerfuffle. Well, I, we, we, yeah, there was a little bit of a... We, Chris and I spent... How many... Between Saturday and Sunday, if I'm doing the math right, there were 48 uh, hours, right? We spent about 40 yeah. of those hours trying to figure out the app to get the tickets. And we Too didn't many. We didn't want Too to bother many. Brian Stull at the what? Battlehawks, but we'll do that. But anyway, what happened? Now, I was watching golf, Chris. Uh, you were texting me, so... Yeah, I this, know you were. I'm this like, was a barn burner at first. I tuned in. It was 3-3. Three to three. Holy cow. Now, such offense, right? Well, we well, you know what? We came out of the gate. We got a score on our first drive for the first time all season long. Maybe only three points, but we scored on the first drive. The offense is starting to click again. McCarron actually hit over 200 yards the first time. We almost had a 100-yard rusher and 100-yard receivers. So, yeah, the offense is starting to click. Our defense team rolled them. Arlington run against bye-bye. The Battlehawks to look out because the D.C. Defend- defenders are coming up next Saturday. At 6 p.m., let's sell the dome out this time. Let's get 40 people and 40,000 instead of 30. Wouldn't that be amazing if they get if they do get 40,000? Because yes. coming off the victory, there would be uh, a lot of excitement. So, uh, you know, when you you've seen them now amazing. play three times, what what's the weakness yes. on this team? What do they have to watch out for? Well, the weakness that I've seen, which is getting better, is McCarron's hesitation and not being as aggressive as he should. Yesterday, he was aggressive. He only threw one pick which it wasn't really his fault. It was a deflected pass. But you know, you got you to think about it this way. These guys have been practicing that long together. Defense is easier to pull together than an offense to get chemistry going with offensive players. And it's starting to click now. I mean, I think, the, like, a, this is what I told you in the beginning. The Battlehawks and the D.C. defenders are going to be in the championship game. So this is our first oh, taste of the Oh, wow. This could be a yeah, preview yeah, coming DC's, up this weekend. And then what? Yeah, what about the uh, what about the atmosphere? I know I know that you you unfortunately had to watch oh, it on TV, gosh. but I mean they were ch- chanting "Cronky sucks" and all kinds of stuff. Thirty eight thousand people going nuts in there yesterday. Yes, they were. I mean the decibel levels were off the charts. You know how they get out there with little decibel meters, but it was like deafening in there. Absolutely deaf. It was like the I even saw Bob Weave yesterday by Hill, a running back. It was great when he scored a touchdown. Did it. Little Tory Holt, Bob and Weave. It was nice to see that dome again. And then, um, speaking of Tory Holt, what or no? That's Ricky Prohl's kid that's playing for Ricky us, Prohl, right? Yeah, I mean, Austin. He, he's getting all yeah. kinds. Of, how good is he? He's he's pretty damn good, man. I'm surprised he hasn't made it like a Danny Amon Dole staple in the NFL, you know. But I mean, I, there's a lot of guys I think that we will see in the NFL next season. And I was actually texting yesterday that our running back Hill, that kid is good. 
Well, and I think that's part of the motivation for these players, not that they don't want to win and compete in this league, but let's face it, these are these are players that would like to probably earn a little bit more of a living and get a a fresh look at the NFL and maybe go back in if they've been there before. So maybe some of the playing in the XFL will will result in that. All right, Chris, well, hopefully we'll get you into the game for this weekend, Um, and it'll be awesome if they can sell more than 38,000. That'd be great. I agree. And if not, Mark, you're going to piggyback ride me into the dome next Saturday. I will not commit to that. That sounds right. We can do. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate it. Now, the audio cut of the day. Cut of the day is sponsored by the Good Feet Store. It's all about comfort, energy, performance, and pain relief. And I I think I have to feature, and we had him as a guest earlier this afternoon. This is from the Fox Nation interview. Roger Murphy is a detective. He retired from the St. Louis Police Department, and now he's being very vocal about what's happening. He was one of those that's on the list that Kim Gardner has where you can't prosecute whatever the reason is is very confusing because Roger told me this afternoon that he thinks it's because he said something on Facebook about Kim Gardner so she wouldn't take the cases that he might have been behind with arrests. And the system broke down, completely broke down. The police didn't break it down. We didn't break it down. Kim Gardner broke it down. And then anytime that it's brought up and uh, it's addressed or tries to be addressed, she points the finger at somebody else and blames somebody else. And then she uses, well, they're picking on me because of a black female. No, you're not being picked on. The, the, the problem is being addressed and you don't want to address it. You want to stick your hand in the sand. In, in the sand. Um, and so now we've got a crime rate that's out of control. You know, when the system broke down, it wasn't, it wasn't broke down by the police officers. It was broke down by the leadership of the department, the senior leadership of the department, and the political representatives of the city. And they blamed their failures and their failures of their social programs. They blamed it all on the police. Yeah, in his story and our situation in St. Louis has gone national again because of this. It was on Fox Nation, that interview, and um, Big Fox has picked it up. We had Roger on the air a couple hours ago. You can use the Odyssey Rewind function to find out. One of the things that he said that's real sad, Sue, is he said, look, he, he wouldn't encourage anyone to go into law enforcement with the state of that business right now. And Where does that leave the rest of us? Exactly. There's your audio cut of the oh. day. We'll talk tomorrow. Have a great night. Get more at 971talk.com. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. 
Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 